Welcome to our latest series in Boss Big Corner with our newest partnership with Algonquin College. Being an Algonquin College Pembroke alumni myself, I am pleased to partner with Algonquin College Pembroke Waterfront Campus, featuring alumni who went back to school and are now excelling in different industries. Get a glimpse into what programs the college all offers, what former students' college experiences were like, how a specific program led to landing their dream job, and why you too should consider a career at this post-secondary institution. Let's dive in and hear how these successful alumni are making some incredible moves in their careers. Welcome to Boss Babe Corner, meets Algonquin College, Pembroke Waterfront Campus. My name is Megan Evans and I am an employee at Algonquin College's Pembroke Campus. I'm also an Algonquin College alumni. Located right along the Ottawa River, this is the perfect environment for anyone to study. We have over 20 different programs to choose from, which include programs in healthcare, trades, outdoor studies, social sciences, and technology. If you are interested in learning more about why you should come study with us, visit our website at algonquincollege.com Pembroke, or book a campus tour and come check out our amazing facilities. We can't wait to help you transform your hopes and dreams into lifelong successes. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Boss Babe Corner meets Algonquin College Pembroke Waterfront Campus. And today I'm welcomed by Liz Cobb, a former Algonquin College alumni who is a graduate from the Forestry Technician Program. So Liz, welcome to OV Boss Babes. Thank you. So Liz, you graduated from Algonquin College's Forestry Technician Program back in the late 80s. So tell me what initially drew you to a career in forestry. I I always loved uh, being outside. It, it was a place where I felt the most comfortable. Um, I grew up in the typical, you know, um, urban setting, not a lot of forest around, not a lot of parks around. But every time we would go camping or anything, it was, that was my place. And mm -hmm. I became uh, calm and, and peaceful. And it really was a place I wanted to hang out in more and more. And then I, I became so aware as I grew older and went, you know, went through high school and becoming aware of how important the environment is, how, how necessary. And as we progress through with climate change and everything else that's happening, um, just how critical it is that that be managed properly. And I wanted to be part of that. Mm -hmm. Now, forestry is a little of an unconventional industry for women and one that is also highly underrepresented with, with females as well. I'm curious why you didn't go down the path of the Outdoor Adventure Naturalist Program or the ODAs as we used to call them back in the day and what it was about forestry that interested you so much. I, th I think that wasn't back in that time because I don't know that that to me wasn't a way I could make a living. I didn't think that there was that option. Maybe I would have gone that route, but for me, I much preferred being being part of the manipulation and the management of, of forests, of of understanding the habitats that it provided, of of really being involved in um, uh, creating those ecosystems and understanding those ecosystems better, um, rather than just you know walking through it. I I really wanted to be I wanted to be responsible. I wanted I wanted to be part of it. Now I'm really curious, were there many other women in your class? 
there were there were um that i recall there were four of us um and my wow. understanding i was the only one that actually stayed in in forestry oh interesting yeah yeah now how did the college's forestry program prepare you for a career in your field uh, back at, at that time, so now it's a 12-month long course, but back then it was a two-year course, and um, there was a very good uh, combination of theory and field uh, work uh, that allowed us to um, fully understand the, the theory behind it being in the field. And so we would spend a week at a time in Algonquin College out of Acre, Um and it was it was just so I can't I can't begin to describe how important it was to apply the, that theory in the on the ground and realize that, you know, textbook is is perfect. But in reality, textbook doesn't exist too often. And then how do you adjust? How do you adapt? And, and that field school allowed us that opportunity. But it also prepared us for working with people that we don't like. It, it it they put us in crews of of differing personalities and you had to get the job done yeah. and it wasn't like oh i'm just going to go home you couldn't go home you were stuck there and you had to learn how to work with this person how to make it an enjoyable experience as much as you can and um working working with somebody you didn't like it, it didn't matter you had to mm -hmm. work through it and that's mm -hmm. something i think today we just remove ourselves from the situation rather than throwing myself in it and saying, okay, I got to do this. Mm -hmm. The other thing we had to do was prepare meals for everybody. So every crew got a meal that you had to shop for and cook and prepare and serve. And if it wasn't done well, boy, we sure heard about it. Wow. And so again, working with a crew that you didn't know, you didn't particularly like, but you had to get it done. And so all of those things, I, when I think back about the things that I learned, it was those times at field camp that that's where I've learned the most about myself and how, how I can, um, I didn't blame everyone else. I worked on myself on how I could become a better team member. What could I do to bring um, to this collective, mm -hmm. so to speak? Those are really interesting social skill sets that you learn, especially when you're out in the forest and and out in the out in the wilderness, because you're also dealing with different climate changes, right? Like you're you're cold, you don't have the comfort of of uh, the warm uh, atmosphere inside your house. Like you said too, Liz, like you're dealing with different personalities and you're forced to get along or at least try to, everybody try to get along with each yeah. other in some capacity. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting now about how, accommodating, I guess is the correct word, you know, that we are to to try to move people around or, okay, so maybe you don't have to work with that person. While in, in back in the day, I not to say back in the day, but back in the day, like you didn't really have a choice. Like mm -hmm. that was it. That was the person that you were assigned to. And I think it's a really good, like getting back to the skill set aspect of it. It is a really good, crucial point to learn because that's how we have to work with people in in the day to day basis, right? We're gonna we're gonna be working with people that we don't necessarily like or that we don't necessarily agree on, but it it builds that social capacity for ourselves. Absolutely, and and you know you're back in the bush somewhere, and you have to trust these people. If something happens, that they're mm. gonna look for you and and make sure that you are you get back safe at the end of the day. And and sometimes learning that trust and developing that trust took a long time, and so you used all of your wiles and skills to, to create, create that bond, yeah. you know, and, and, and learn to work together. So it, it's, it's 
It's been interesting. Yes. And you're really, you're right though, Liz, like you're really going to have to heavily rely on somebody that you might not necessarily like, but when that person is the only person that you can really have there to rely on, you have no choice. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Now, what are some other hands-on experiences of, or field work opportunities that were provided to you guys and other students that you thoroughly enjoyed during your time in the program? Um, just being out and, and, you know, we, we got opportunities to try all the equipment. So you have a task to do and we were given the equipment and, and we, we were able to, to spend day after day doing that. It wasn't just here, you've got an hour and you have to, you have to share it and, and all of these things. So you would be out days at a time, um, learning your craft and, and really experimenting. And I think a big thing was making mistakes and that was okay. And tried again and, and um learning about yourself how you know how comfortable are you in the forest anyway are you okay can you work alone most of my career I spent working by myself and and knowing that I could do that that course helped me provide that I've I've worked with people who couldn't work by themselves and they spent years in terror every day mm. because of bears or, or or everything else and and you know, really being able to understand that about yourself and your comfort level, about what you can and can't do. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And then working on on those. We had an exercise one time. We were out in in Algonquin Park in the in the winter, and the lake was frozen. And our professor blindfolded us and told us to walk for ten minutes. And it just it taught us. So normally, when you walk, you have a tendency to pull one way or the other. We had one fellow who did did three circles and he thought by that point he was at the other side of the lake. He was no more than 20 feet from us. And the shock in his face when he realized, oh my God. And I'll, I'll never forget that because I even today when I walk, I have a tendency because I know I pull left. If I'm in front of a tree, I'll go to the right of the tree because otherwise I'll, I'll be walking in circles. Anyway, little things like that um, um, really, really helped me become um, a better field field person. Mm -hmm. The thing I think that is most interesting to me, Liz, that I, uh, I think that would be one of the biggest takeaways is the learning how to survive, like <laughs> the human instinct of survival out in the wilderness with only a limited amount of supplies and um, just what you're carrying on your back, right? Like, I think that that would be just such a harrowing and interesting experience. And we see it all the time on TV, right? From Survivor to uh, Alive or whatever it is, like out in the cold. I know my husband loves those kind of shows. And you always kind of think like, how do you do it? But your your body really learns to train itself and heavily rely on the, the different things surrounding surrounding you. And I mean, out in the forest, like that's where you can find all the different berries and you learn how to hunt and fish and do all the things. And when you're really put to the test with limited resources, it's amazing what you can, you can really do. I, I learned so much those first couple of years working, what, what to wear. I don't mm -hmm. even know where, what clothes do I wear? And, you know, you have those shows naked and afraid. And I like those shows too. Yeah. I'm not the naked part, but uh, afraid, <laughs> afraid, definitely yeah. uh, from, from occasion to occasion, but it, it's, you know, what do I wear? Because you're moving all the time yeah. in the winter time and you get overdressed and then you, you sweat and you get cold. And so it was learning what to wear, what tools do I need to bring with me? Because I have to carry it with me. It can't be too heavy, but it can't be too, you know, what, what tools, what supplies, first aid, what food. And that that 
were so many questions that I learned in the first couple of years of working with folks and talking with people. What do you do? Oh, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, what do you do? And so the college prepared us a lot of the theory and a lot of the field work because of the field school. And then as you worked and started going into specific jobs, you were able to figure out, okay, what do I need? Everyone's different. And so what works for somebody doesn't always work for, for you. So then it was developing your own thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is what, this is what comforts me. This is what prepares me. And this is, this is how I, I feel about it. Yeah. Now, obviously there's a lot of challenges and demands of working in the forestry industry, but how did the program specifically prepare you to mentally tackle all of those different challenges and hurdles, Liz? Uh, my, my student, my peers, uh, learning what they're going through and, and, um, talking to the professors, there was one professor in particular, Tom Stevenson, who, you know, you either hated or loved him. And, but he really, his goal was to prepare you. It was to challenge you. And, um, and at times you, you didn't know what to do, um, but you persevered through it. And, and like I, we talked about, it was learning about your own capacity. What, how much how much am I able to do? Because I'm in the bush all day by myself. Can I do that? Do I have, and again, I was provided the knowledge. And then through that field school, you were you were put in positions that challenged you and helped make who you are. It helped make me who I am today uh, by saying, okay, I can do this. Hey, I love this. Oh, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. So it really helped kind of guide us and shape us to what kind of work were we prepared to do and willing to do. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, Liz, when I'm thinking about all these survival movies, like everything from the six below miracle on the mountain about the drug addicted man who got stuck on the mountain in the winter <laughs> and, uh, and even 127 hours, or even, I don't know if you've seen the ledge on Netflix too. That was another really good one. Although it's, it was unrealistic because these two girls were climbing like a TV tower or something. And yeah, oh. that was pretty crazy, but oh. it's, it's having that background and that experience and knowing, like I said earlier about how to survive, like it really puts you to the test and we're as viewers watching this, but people are actually go through this in real life and are faced with these different experiences. And it takes people like yourself and, um, and first responders to go into these different and dangerous situations and, uh, and try to rescue these people. It's, like it's such a needed industry and it's so crucial to be able to be that first responder to be able to help help people that get stuck in those unfortunate situations yeah absolutely yeah i've i've been lucky i haven't been hurt um terribly but there's been accidents uh, you know you, you don't walk every day for 30 years in the bush and not have things happen to you mm -hmm. i've been chased by bears i've actually chased a bear i didn't mean to i think i was caught up in the moment and then I realized what I was doing. And I said, oh, this is really stupid. What are you doing? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It was usually it was, it's the other way around. They're chasing I know. You. I think I really was was quite pissed off that they interrupted my work and I I, I needed them to go. And then anyway, um, but yeah, being chased by bears and and understanding when it when it's time to listen to what you, you know, when, when your body's telling you, I'm not comfortable. In this situation, something's happening. Listen to what your your body's telling you. I've been chased by moose. I've been followed by moose calves. Um, I had a I had a deer try to attack me. The most afraid I've been though is when I had a muskrat come after me. 
and he was so angry and jumping about three feet and I expected him to be hanging off my face somehow now what did you do um, to him to piss him off were you talking uh, I don't know <laughs> I apologize so many times I'm sorry I don't... and 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 how you deal with those situations I think is really really important um because and and you're right people don't take it seriously enough but it can be survival Mm -hmm. And when you're encountering wildlife and you don't know what to do and you do the wrong thing and put yourself in, in real jeopardy, that's, uh, that, that's, that's not cool. Like yeah. you've, you've got to know what to do. Yeah. The only good part about it is that you might make a Netflix movie out of it. <laughs> you get some royalties there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe back in the day, not anymore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Now, our friend Jamie Bramberger, he shared with me that you've had much success since graduating from Algonquin College's forestry technician program. So, Liz, I'm really curious, and I want to pump your tires here and let my listeners all know that what you've all been up to since uh, since you graduated and, and where your career has all taken off to. Um, so, yeah, I graduated late 80s, and I, uh, at the time, you know, the biggest employ employer was the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was called back then, but um and so i i was hired as a tree marker and i i for about nine years i worked on uh, nine month contracts with the with the mnrf and i did things like tree marking um i looked after renewal and tending operations um i was really lucky they provided me a lot of different opportunities and and that's what i i wanted to do is see what what did i enjoy the most and and civil culture really became my passion and for folks who don't know civil culture is is really the renewal of the forest appropriately is using really good management techniques and, and managing the forest to what it should be and what your forest management plan tells you it should be. And so that's kind of where I started wanting to go. And then in 1996, the province of Ontario decided that they weren't going to manage the forest anymore, that it was going to become privatized. And so um, I, I, I got bumped. I got, I lost my job while I was on maternity leave with my son who has Down syndrome. So it was kind of a, in, in in one way, it was a pretty shitty year uh, for all these things to happen. In hindsight, it was the best thing that could have happened. It was, it ended up being really the best thing. And um, it gave me the opportunity to spend some time with my son that I needed to, and to learn about Down syndrome. And um, I worked for the company who helped set up uh, the Sustainable Forest License um holder which is Ottawa Valley Forest and then I started working for Ottawa Valley Forest and I looked after all their subculture and I stayed there for 20 years and so that was and I that was my passion I I it became my forest <laughs> and I I wanted to do the best that I could and so I looked after all the subculture I had a, a colleague of mine who challenged me to get my registered professional forestry status I don't have a degree and typically that's that's when you have a forestry degree you get your your rpf um but i i challenged it and i i got my rpf status and i became the civil culture forester and i looked after all the gis and it, it was a lovely lovely time there where i learned so much um and then what i learned i was able to pass on uh, that knowledge exchange we talk about succession planning and forestry you know things that took me 30 years to learn I was getting opportunities now to share that mm. um, and I loved that part of it and then I was approached by Natural Resources Canada the Petawa research needed a uh, forest needed a new forest management plan 
and new technology was coming. Not that LIDAR is new, but it's new in forestry. And they asked if I was interested in leading the, the production of forest management planning development using this new technology and, and making the power research forest relevant again. Um, because in 90, 1996, it also kind of got eliminated. Um, and so there was just a very small staff left and not a lot of research happening. And that kind of spurred that next step. And it was a good next step for me. I was at a point where um, as much as I loved my job, I, I really wanted new challenges. I wanted I wanted to fast forward and, and get that and help um, Canada get to a point where we can improve our forest management, the, the sustainability of our forest. And by using LIDAR, I was able to do that. And so when my I was hired on as an interchange agreement, and when that time neared, um, neared the end, they asked if I was interested in becoming the operations manager. And so I was in, like I was, I was sucked in, man. That forest is, is quite a special place. And, and so I, I happily agreed to stay. And so that's been four or five years ago now. I haven't, I haven't changed jobs a lot, but I was really lucky in that I had many opportunities to try so many different things um, that I, it, that led me to this, this spot. So that was great. There really was a silver lining in everything that was supposed to happen. It's interesting, eh, Liz, when we when we have unfortunate circumstances like that, losing our job and then thinking, oh my gosh, like what's next? But obviously it led you to having more time with your son and then it paved the way for different and, and more and new opportunities for you. And, and it led you now to where your career is at today. So can you actually give us a little bit of a background about the Canadian Wood Fiber Cider the wood fiber center, the Canadian Wood Fiber Center, where you work at, and uh, and a little background information about it. Uh, absolutely. So the the Canadian Wood Fiber Center is is the um, agency that kind of runs the Petal Research Forest. They fall under the Canadian Forest Service, which falls under Natural Resources Canada. So it's kind of like a, an umbrella uh, effect. And so the Petal Research Forest, um, it's it's a federally managed forest. The the land is owned by the military. And so uh, the Garrison Petawawa owns the property, um, but we have um, an agreement in place that's been in place for 100 years. And so uh, Natural Resources Canada manages it. There are thousands of research projects on this property. PSP 1 and 2 are the oldest permit sample plots in North America, um, and that's continually been um, measured. And so we're, we, we look at 120 years worth of data that's pretty cool. Um, and we've just finished doing a climate change project where we're looking at climate change and we're looking at different options. We're looking at assisted migration. We're looking at changing vertical structure, new species. They're, they're monitoring soil temperatures, wildlife. Um, anyway, it's, it's, it's a significant project that we've just finished and now the monitoring will begin. And it'll be providing that key information that the forest industry needs for their forest management planning. So that's one example of some of the things that we do. But we have we have researchers all over the world uh, coming to to try different things at the at the research forest because we can do that here. We also have a forest management plan, which which I did finish while I was there, that uses lidar. Um, we used a high, hybrid approach, and so we helped the province. Um, start that path. 
um, for want of a, of a better word, because this is all going to be new for Ontario. And the SFLs are, within two years, our SFLs are going to start force management planning using LIDAR. So we've been able to help a little bit and provide that leadership role in, in, in helping them get there. We, we are an operational force as well, though. It's not just research because we want to keep our forest healthy. We want to provide appropriate habitats. And we want to provide a healthy forest provides more opportunities to attract more research. And so, um, and also the revenues that we bring in goes back into the renewal of the forest, just like in Ontario. And so it pays for the subculture and, and the renewing um, of the forest. So lots going on all the time, um, creating partnerships, collaborations, um, the Canadian Institute of Forestry, Forest Ontario, Algonquin College, they spend their time at, at our forest doing their field studies, which is great. And they're there at least once or twice a week for the whole, in the whole year. Our D&D our &D partnerships, Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry, it's, it's a huge collaboration of one common goal, which is how can we manage our forests better? How can we make improvements? How can, how can we make sure that when climate change happens, because it's happening, mm -hmm. how are we going to adapt? What, what guidance, what information can we provide people that that's going to help us? Yeah. Well, just to kind of carry on this conversation a little bit further, like obviously we know um, the different regulations and the different laws that are in place, you know, like during, especially during the summer months, like if it's a certain temperature and if there's a fire ban, like don't be stupid, like don't have a fire then. Um, even though we love bonfires and campfires in the summertime, like there are those laws are, that are in place for a reason. Um, but why, why are forests though, Liz, crucial and critical to fighting climate change, and um, and why why are forests so important for people on the planet? You know, we would all die. Quite simply, they're they're critical to our our uh, survival. It's it's that whole balance, ecological and atmospheric balance that the forest does for us. That you know, we're we're the intruders. The forests were here, and we built the cities around the forests, and so we need whatever forests are left, we need to make sure that they are healthy or our balance becomes uh, un, un, unhinged, I guess, for want of a better word, we'll all become unhinged. And then uh, this this climate change, you know, fires are gonna happen, droughts are gonna happen until we, we're just left with deserts. And then we, we're not sustainable. Not, none of what we do is sustainable anymore. Um, and being able to, ensure that if something does happen, how are we going to adapt to it? That's that research that that we're doing at the at the panel research force that's gonna gonna help us. Long story short, we need to know what's gonna happen and yeah. we need to have the tools in our toolbox um, to be able to to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. If we need to bring seeds from southern states, which is what we did with this project, we need to start making that networking and making those partnerships now so that that becomes a regular thing and um having having those anyway that that relationship i think is going to be really important now liz how have you seen the representation of women in forestry change over the course of your own career so i was the only woman for for quite a while um um and it 
it was difficult because it was um, not taken seriously initially. Once they realized that I was, I was in it not to get a husband, which is what everyone's saying. You're just in it to 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 get a guy, and you were like, um, wear your high heels. You you know, those kinds of comments. It quickly became very apparent that I was I was in this seriously, and my love of the forest was serious. And I just became one of the guys. Gender was became irrelevant very, very quickly. And and so I, I was really lucky in that way. Um, but you know, there 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 I had to be really careful because I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't I wanted to make sure that all women were being taken seriously. And being one of the first ones out of the gate, I really wanted to set a really good example that you should take all of us seriously. Right. So, so um, I, I took that upon myself to, to act appropriately always. Mm -hmm. And um, there was never inappropriate things going on. And I, I, I was just really careful that way to make sure that, that I was going to be successful and that whoever wanted to come behind me because I wanted company, I wanted female company mm -hmm. <laughs> to attract them, to have them come and, and work with me. Well, that's actually what I'm kind of curious about with my next question, Liz, is have you had any opportunities to mentor or even support other women entering this field? I teach force management planning in Algonquin College. I've been doing that for a couple of years, and I, I'm really interested in, in keeping track of the students now as they leave. They reach out quite a bit, um, not just about the course content, but about how, how did you manage? How, how did you, what did you do? How did you have a family? at the same time. So a lot of those really personal questions that are that women are being challenged with now. Um, I love it when they when they come up to me and, and we talk and there's a the woman in wood organization that I, I try really hard to be be part of and, and support and yeah, I'm, I'm busy, but I'm never too busy to talk to a colleague or somebody who needs some guidance or or looking for support or just to expand their networking and, and now it's so great to see so many more women um, in our roles than before. So at the Petal Research Forest, um, three quarters of our team are women. That's so incredible. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it just goes to show you the growth over the years. And again, just how much we've we've shattered the the grass, <laughs> if you will, ceiling in that perspective and to see the growth and the change and the acceptance. And Liz, I mean, that is just so, so shocking to me of the conversations that used to be had with, with women and, and the, um, and the fight that you guys had to put in order to be taken seriously. Absolutely. You know, gender is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Race is irrelevant. Your sexual orientation. I don't care. Are you passionate about what you do? Is this is this the field that's right for you? It doesn't it doesn't matter who you are. It matters that what you what you believe in and that this is a right fit for you. Mm -hmm. Now, can you share any advice or words of encouragement for women that are maybe listening or even considering a career in forestry and taking the specific forestry technician program here at Algonquin College? Absolutely. I I, I think be brave, take risks. Don't don't be afraid to try things that are uncomfortable and make mistakes. I don't know when making mistakes became a bad thing. I've made a lot of mistakes, but it, it helped me learn. And and making a mistake doesn't mean you're a bad person or a 
not smart or not good enough. It just means that I tried something that didn't work. And now I know, Hey, now I know. And so, um, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to reach out for people to people to talk about things. Mm -hmm. I found the collaboration and knowledge exchange to be so critical when you think you're all alone and you're struggling with something and you realize that, Oh yeah, no, that happens all the time. Don't worry about it. It's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know. So really reach out, find your uh, support group and surround yourself with good, positive people that are going to help you progress at whatever speed you need to progress, but direct you in, into that really happy place that you need to be in. We all spend way too much time at work to not enjoy it. And so I, I remember on, on Facebook, there was um, a question that said, oh, put in, you know, if you had, if you had a dream job in your life, what job would that have been? And I said, well, I've, I've been lucky enough that I've been doing it. I've been doing it for 35 years. So I, I regret nothing. Um, and uh, just follow your gut and, and don't be afraid. Liz, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with me. It was so it was so enlightening to hear about your journey and where it's all taken you since graduating from Algonquin College's forestry technician program and and to see the how you've paved the way for for yourself and other women in in this industry. So thank you so much. Thank you. The Forestry Technician Program at Algonquin College Pembroke Campus prepares students in the implementation and influence of best practices of good forest management in an ecological, environmental, and social context. Get an edge on a career in the great outdoors. In this program, you get to enjoy a more personalized learning environment with Algonquin College's small classes. You benefit from support of an experienced faculty who are active in their industry, and you get to gain the latest and best industry-specific knowledge and skills to be career-ready upon graduation. Learn more about the Forestry Technician Program at Algonquin College Pembroke Waterfront Campus by visiting algonquincollege.com forward slash Pembroke.